Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, his faithful sidekick. That is true. You are the faithful sidekick. And I, I appreciate I, your sidekick. I, I actually sidekick-ness. think you're the sidekick. But it just, you know, I win second. It kind of seemed fitting. I think everyone would agree. I'm like less than a sidekick. I'm like, do you remember the cartoon where they had the big dog? His name was Spike. Mighty, Mighty Man and Yuck. Well, I don't know. But then you get the little dog Yuck. who's always like jumping around him. And he's like, oh, Spike, oh, Spike, you want to do this? Oh. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Cody. Yeah. 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 I was thinking Mighty Man, the really small dude in the superhero cave. Oh yeah. And he had the little burglar things around his eye and then and then they had his dog yuck and he was the big guy, but he would take the doghouse off his head. Yeah. And you just see like a bald head with hairs coming out of it. And everyone would like faint dead. Because apparently he's powerful. so ugly. Yeah. 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 Incredible ugliness yeah. was his uh superpower. I remember that. I do. I wasn't drawing that parallel, but that's where I thought you were going. Are you saying I'm the dog yuck? Are you saying I'm really small? <laughs> I didn't bring it up. You brought it up. <laughs> he did have an afro, though, so at least he gave me hair if you were going that way. Well, you know. Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice. Hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Oh, hell, Italy, ding, dog, crap. We were just talking about the clip that we absolutely need from coming to America. Isn't it like Reverend Jones? I don't know. Like I said, that wasn't my movie. I don't know uh, that movie. Need to take your hand and put it into the, the hand of Almighty God. Oh, it's the best. I would welcome that clip. I'll <laughs> add it to the soundboard. All right. So uh, what is today's topic? We should tell everyone that before we get into our smack talk. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, today's topic is preaching part two. You know, we really got to uh, think up better titles. 
Yeah, we do. Titles are, are kind of grabbers. And right now, uh, how does that grab you, Mr. <laughs> Listener? How does preaching part two grab you? <laughs> well, I don't know. It sounds to me like a two-star podcast. You know, it's what's on the label, guys. We're going to talk about preaching, and it's going to be the second part of it. It does what the label says. You know, I'm really disappointed that that guy who gave us two stars has never come back to hear us do a smack talk about him. Because I just, I kind of want him to know what I think. Yeah, but it kind of makes it almost more powerful that he hasn't. Because it's out there. Like, how much smack talk do you think is floating around out there about us? None. I don't think anyone talks about us. No, there's only, uh, what do you call the opposite of smack talk? Praise? <laughs> yeah. So, so didn't we go on a podcast and we were like their heroes? Weren't you on that one? No, I don't get invited. Like, everyone goes, hey, Peyton, can you come speak? Oh, that's great. Yeah, Pete, he's a great guy. But Peyton, really, we want to hear from you. Yeah, it was, it was my Andy Warhol 15 minutes of fame. I enjoyed it. Yeah, which you have a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying, you do. I, I might just have 45 minutes of pain now. I don't know. So um, we missed this last week's podcast, and I think uh, it's important for everyone to know why. Yeah, so, you know, um, Andrea, uh, my wife, we've been married 18 years, got diagnosed with, um, uh, well, they found tumors on her thyroid, and they took him out. And uh, Pete, I haven't told you this. I just got this this news yesterday evening i've been so busy being i'm not even sure this is going to be good then to spread on the podcast news and i don't even it was good news man oh they really got it all so it had not spread to the rest of her body so no chemo no radiation um she's got the all clear so but i did end up last friday in the emergency room she went to what's called hypovolemic shock which is uh she had vomited 15 times in uh 24 hours actually in about 12 hours and i knew that we had to go into the er i came you know the only time i wasn't at home um was when she was uh i had to drop the kids off and then i had to head up to lab core and you know thinking i'm gonna be back home for the podcast no problem and then uh i get home and she's bad i don't know did i even tell you did i even tell you what's up i don't think i even I well, think I don't know. I think you were mad at me and didn't want to talk to me anymore. Dude, you know, I didn't even realize till just now. I didn't even think. Like, what happened was she. I got home, and the the pastor's wife was here of the church. That I'm I'm part of a team leadership in Oceanside, and one of the the guys, his wife was here just to say hi. She popped in by the sovereignty of God. My wife is not doing well. She's starting not to be able to to feel her arms and legs. So I'm like, I got to take her to the ER. She's starting to go into shock and she's feeling nauseous, but she hasn't vomited. Well, as soon as she vomited, it was like, oh, here we go. You know, and so she went into hypovolemic shock, which is when you have too little blood volume. Um, everything shifts when you lose enough fluids. And so going into shock, your, your uh, brain tries to get as much uh, centralized to your heart and your brain. And um, so your brain can run your heart. And your lungs. And so she couldn't feel her arms or her legs. And she started talking confused within the next 30, 40 minutes. So I had to chuck her in the car, rush her to the hospital, and uh, like call my neighbors over and say, hey, watch my baby. And it was pandemonium, man. So I, I go through the doors of the hospital and I'm like, because I'm an RN, right? So I'm, <laughs> I, I've got her. I've got her in a wheelchair. I'm rushing her in and I'm telling them, hey, uh, uh, 
you, uh, you guys need to get an IV stat. You know, she needs this, that, and that. And they're looking at me. Oh, and I said, oh, I, I'm an RN. And they're looking at me like, who in the heck are you? It, it took them off guard. But uh, I told them, you better start listening to me now. Or I'm going to start getting angry because she can have a heart attack right now. And so that, that was it. That was my day. So we spent the whole day in the ER. Fun. Fun. It was fun, man. <laughs> they don't like being told what to do in, in hospitals. No. No. I, I was like, look, I'm going to save you a bunch of time. You know, I watch the whole thing unfold. Boom, boom, boom. This is what's going down. And uh, so. I yeah. told you um, when Luke was in the hospital, when my, my son, when he was born, he was a preemie. So he was in the NICU for the first 25 days. And uh, we didn't do the test that in California, it's a law that insurance companies have to cover a test for, um, you know, basically Down syndrome and, and stuff like that when you're, you're pregnant. And um, we didn't do it because we were like, look, if there's something wrong with our kid, I mean, we're not going to terminate our pregnancy, right? We're not going right. to kill our kid. So why should we, like, deal with, like, all of the grief that's going to come for the next six months? We'll just deal with that when we have our kid. So when he was born preemie, they were like, oh, well, his eyes are a little bit small and his chin's a little bit small. And I'm like. Dude, shut up, right? I mean, yeah. clearly nothing wrong with my kid, but it's the doctor's office. Did you office. tell him, were you like, look at my face? I did that later. And they're like, his head's a little big. I go, look at my head. It's huge. And um, so they they did the test, right? They took it from the, the cord, um, you know, I don't know, the blood or whatever's in the, the cord. And uh, they, so we were having this meeting this one day with... Uh, the doctor and her assistant, I never met them before. And they were going to go over the results with us. Well, we get there on time and they're not there. So I grab his chart and I'm looking through the chart and I see the results of the test. And so then the doctor comes in and she's like, yeah, uh, we, we uh, don't have the results yet or we haven't looked at them yet. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if they're in here or not. And I go, oh yeah, they're in there. I already read it. And she <laughs> was just like, she was pissed. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm like, look, I paid for it. Don't look at me like that. My test, you want to show up on time, you can go over the results with me. Otherwise, I paid for it. I'm going to read it. <laughs> it's just wow. like, don't be giving me this crap. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of arrogance in the medical profession. And what's funny is you realize once you've been on the other side of it, I, I, I hate to burst everyone's bubble. I'm sure you have absolute confidence in your <laughs> medical team. Uh, but uh, it's kind of like working. When I was in college, I worked at uh, Bennigan's as a waiter and uh, I wouldn't eat there afterwards, you know, and it's kind of like that with the medical profession. You, you see, you know, you're thankful for them when you need them, but you're not impressed anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in other words, it's been fun. It's been fun for you this last week. Oh, dude, <laughs> I've, ne I've never been so tired in all my life. I can't get up early and I am an early riser, you know, and, uh, and, I, I have. I also sometimes stay up. I, I realize that I probably don't get enough sleep. I resent sleep. It means that I can't do stuff when I'm sleeping. But uh, the reality is, I've been going to bed like an old lady, man. Nine thirty comes around. I'm telling Andrea, and she's she's pretty much zonked out anyway. So she's on all these meds, and I'm like, I'm going to bed. So so, uh, do you get to take any of her meds? Are you like, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, baby, let me have one of those. It looks really good. No, Peter. 
I do not <laughs> take her meds. Disclaimer. Medical Dude, disclaimer. What was Jamie in for? Jamie was in the hospital for something recently. I don't even remember what it was. And they were like, they'd prescribed her some like heavy duty pain medicine. Like, you know, kind of one of the ones that you could sell on the street. Like, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> and, um, and I was talking with the, the nurse and, and, I'm like, yeah, well, Jamie's not really hurting right now, so she's not she's not going to, uh, you know, fill that prescription. She goes, well, you never know. You might want to fill it in case you, you need the medicine later for something. And, and she goes, oh, but I guess I can't say that. And I go, oh, yeah, uh, me neither, me neither. I wasn't going to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine me, right? Like, I'm going to, like, CVS to fill up the uh, prescription and look at me, right? Like, I just... <laughs> I just fit the profile for a guy who's going to abuse drugs. But uh, surprisingly, they just give it to anybody. Well, is it all electronic now? Because that's the way her doctor does it now. It's it's all electronic. They don't even give him a prescription no, anymore. No, in fact, our doctor wrote the, the prescription of the wrong name. So I had to show up there, and it was like the wrong name. So the doctor had to call through. So that looked a little fishy. And, uh, yeah, anyways, next topic. <laughs> You're like, uh, I like 30 pills of heroin, please. <laughs> No, too much, too much, yeah, too much, too much. But uh, but yeah, there's a line, and it'll eventually get crossed. I'm sure. <laughs> oh well, before we That's get going, any next topic. Moving on. Before we get going on in uh, any more smack talk. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by MoGive. M-O-G-I-V. They are our favorite text-based and on... <laughs> I can't even talk to this morning. We, we just led straight into it with, with no interruptions, Pete. And, and you stumbled on I it. I did. Well, I was, I was like thinking we were going to throw some smack into their commercial, and then, of course, we don't. I, I was thinking, oh, we're just going to get through this commercial today. Well, here, let me, let me finish it up. MoGiv, they are the best, the single best company for... Online and text-based giving. If you've got a new or growing church, you need to head on over to mogive.com forward slash church, where they got all kinds of goodness to take people's money for you on your behalf. That's all I'm saying. M-O-G-I-V. Mogive.com, where you are special. Oh, that should be the tagline. Of course. For everything. <laughs> church Ponder Podcast, where you are special. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I like the tagline. Welcome to Refuge Long Beach, where you are special. <laughs> you know, that's I, the new thing. All right, church planner, that's the secret tip of the day. <laughs> you know, we should have that ding, 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 secret tip of the day. Tell everyone they're special. Well, I'm always telling people it's marketing is all about them, not about you. So, I mean, where you are special. Come on. That's great. That's beautiful. I love it. We need okay. to use it more. Yeah. You know what's funny is right now uh, we just picked up a new sponsor who's uh, coming on. I think I think we decided November is when we're going to start with theirs. They're a combo magazine and podcast sponsor, and uh, and if they're listening to the podcast now, they're probably like, "Yeah, I remember how you said the best commercials are the ones that you and Peyton get to ad lib." But uh, we're kind of thinking maybe that's not such a good idea anymore. There's a script. You'll have it in your mailbox this week. <laughs> They're like, say it exactly as it's on the paper. That's it. Just do that. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I got a whole lot of smack talk going on for myself. I, I can't really think of anything unique or special that's going on in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's all about me. Yeah. Today. 
Well, it has been. I mean, you kind of had way more important things going on in your life than I had going on in mine. Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been trippy, man. All all I know is I'm tired, and it's good to be through. I I feel like I've just run a marathon, and getting that good news yesterday was a big deal. That so is for a big all deal. you guys that were praying, man. Just thanks. Yeah, that is that's a really big deal. Did they tell you? Was it because uh, you knew you had a, a tumor on there? But I mean, is that malignant or benign or did they yeah, say so it was benign and but but andrea has what they call a cancer causing gene right so both of her uh her nephew and her brother uh they, they both had the same cancer and it it metastasized so it went malignant and so they said is that hey, how that stuff works because i don't know how that works yeah it it just it starts benign and then it spreads and particularly around the thyroid because it's close to the lymph glands that's how it, it, it invades the lymph nodes and then it, it spreads throughout the rest of the body because that's a, uh, a, another type of circulatory system, the lymph nodes. It, it's connected your blood and um, it's systemic and so it, it goes all throughout the rest of your body and affects other, other parts of your body. It's basically like putting it on a highway and shipping it somewhere else. So for now, it was, you know, we caught it early enough because we caught it asymptomatic on a suggestion where they were like, Hey, um, you know, your family members have this. And they told her brother, they're like, you need to tell your family to get tested. So she did. So by the grace of God. Yeah. And I know it's taken you guys literally months to get the test done. Yeah. Because, uh, insurance companies are just stupid. They're just, we changed over insurance companies, which was really bad timing, but, uh, the Obamacare people really screwed up. And they locked my daughter in the Medi-Cal system. And uh, they made a major mistake. And we still haven't been able to resolve it other than just terminate everything. I never wanted Medi-Cal. I've never been on Medi-Cal. But uh, apparently sometimes they register your kids automatically. And then she got stuck in the system. So we literally couldn't move forward until Medi-Cal released us. So finally I I found a top dog. And ah, that's too much information. No one cares about that. But yeah, it, it, it was fun on hold. Yeah, I have to cut all that out. That's boring. No, that's just interesting. It's just stuff. It's the way it goes. So maybe we should just get in today's topic since I got nothing good. I got I got yeah, no good yeah. smack talk. Yeah, that's all I can me. say. All right, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. And this week's topic is preaching part two. <laughs> all right. Well, guys. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the, the reality is, you know, we, we kind of talked about preaching before and, and preaching to the postmodern generation, you're already in an uphill battle. And we talked last time about the fact that preaching ought to be a, you know, almost like a prophetic activity where you're, you're literally speaking in the same grooves and channels that the Holy Spirit's already cut, but that you're partnering with him in intention to lift up Jesus not to, as Paul said, preach yourselves, as some do, um, or out of selfish ambition, which he points out in another spot. Um, there are the wrong motives. So we talked about your motives. We talked about the Holy Spirit and, and who he partners with, people that, that are, are aiming to do what he does. Um, preachers throughout the centuries, if you go back and trace it, guys that God has powerfully used have been men that just, you know, unmistakably want to lift up Jesus and just glorify him. And that's the beauty of their preaching. That's the timeless quality 
of their preaching. I, I would say that nowadays, um, the modern generation of preachers, they want to entertain people, make them laugh and give a good talk and maybe motivate people to life change. And, but there's very little of Christ in it. And uh, Spurgeon once said, uh, no, no Jesus in your sermon, no, no Christ in, 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 in your, in your, in your uh, exposition. He goes, then, sir, step down from the pulpit never to enter it again. You're mm. obviously not called to preach. I think every preacher has this burden to show others who Christ is. And so if you ever mount the pulpit steps, and all of us do and all of us have, um, without that intention, then you need to relook at that and just step back and say, why am I doing this? Um, you know, we, we can watch the videos, we can hear guys and we can be entertained and then come away and actually be influenced that that's what we need to do. And I'm going to talk about being boring a little bit and how being boring, there's no excuse for that, but the goal is not to be entertaining. So, um, really the goal is to lift up Jesus. So I want to talk about some of the uphill battles that you have in preaching. You know, I'm just going to throw in a comment there before you get going. Um, it, this this is kind of interesting to me because it, it brings back to me uh, pastors that I've seen over the years, churches that I've uh, attended where, like I'm thinking back to when I was in high school. I went to this one church and uh, never really got much out of it, but like I'd always gone to my dad's church growing up and none of those churches had like youth groups because I pretty much was the youth group. <laughs> So, you know, I finally went to this other church that had like, I don't know, six kids, right? Whatever. So it was just like six high schoolers my age. At least I got to meet people and and hang out. So I never really got much out of this this pastor's preaching or anything like that. But interestingly enough, um, when I went away to college, one of my years, I don't know if it was freshman or sophomore year, I went away to college. And when I, I came back for the summer to visit, uh I get this, I'm talking to one of my buddies who went to the youth group with me and he goes, Hey, you know, uh, you know, pastor so-and-so, uh, he got a divorce. I'm like, really? He goes, and remarried in the last year. And I was in it like, and it ended up being like the, the denomination head that was above him was who he ended up marrying. It was like, it was, it was, it was definitely, you know, okay, there's something wrong here. Like this, this isn't right. And of course he never left, uh, the pulpit during that time. And my buddy who was like, I mean, he was pretty pagan and definitely very pagan today. He was just kind of like, yeah, the church really needed a break. You know, I mean, this guy was there and he, he just needed a break. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is something that you said just kind of struck a bone with me or struck a chord with me when, when you said like, um, you know, we all go through this of, uh, you know, sometimes we're just not, we don't have the right, you know, fuel for the day or whatever when we go up there and, and preach. And I think for some people, you you might almost like be doing it because it's a job, right? Like this guy was a pastor because that's what his job was. He he wasn't living right. He wasn't, you know, things weren't right with him and God, but he it was his job. He couldn't leave the pulpit because then his income dries up. So it's like he's doing a disservice to everyone there. And I, I don't know. It just kind of struck me that I think that's one of the dangers that, that pastors can run into 
of when they need to take a break, when they need to not be in the pulpit, but it's a job and they got to, they got to work. Yeah. You know, and if you guys haven't read Spurgeon's lectures to my students, um, you need to kind of know my hermeneutic is I'm going to be coming from old school. And so I'm going to quote him a lot because, uh, most of what I've learned, uh, about preaching the the principles I got from him. And of course he was the prince of preachers. The reason I point that out is he said something very similar to what you're, you're saying right now, Pete. He, he, he quotes this little uh, kind of proverb. He does it much better than I do because I think it rhymed, but I can't remember <laughs> and I don't have it in front of me. But it was something to the effect of there was this great preacher and they said, you know, when he was in the pulpit, he should never come out. But when he was out of the pulpit, they said he should never go back in. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. So, and that's, that's why, you know, Paul says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. You will, for by it, you will save both yourself and your hearers, you know? And, um, and that word there is, is save is not salvific. It's not, you know, soteriological to use a big word. It's not pertaining to your salvation. It's, there's different, um, contexts that the word is used in Greek. And that one there means preserve. So you will sustain them in the faith if you can be a model to them, but also yourself. It's, it's part of your perseverance as a, as a Christian, as a watching your own life. A lot of times when we talk, if, if you notice this about people that talk a lot, I talk a lot. And what, what I've noticed can be a tendency is you can substitute talking for doing. Mm. And talk is a cheap substitute for doing. Sometimes you can get almost that endorphin rush from talking about something and you get that same discharge of, ah, that felt, you know, it felt great, you know, and really you're not, you know, you're not any closer to actually doing what you're talking about, but talking about it sure felt good. Mm. And, and, and if you're a talker and, and most pastors are, you have to be careful of that. What you said in the pulpit really has nothing to do with how you live outside of it. It's a cheap substitute. And I think anyone who's been been preaching for a number of years comes to the understanding as as they become better preachers that that really was the easiest part of my job. The hardest part is living this yeah, and actually being a doer of the word and modeling what I'm preaching. That's why it says in the scripture that he who is a teacher will enter into stricter judgment because you're then accountable for what you're telling other people. You're setting the standard by which you yourself have to live by. And that is, you know, you're the measuring stick hmm. in that sense. You know, your sermons become, I believe, God holds you accountable to your words, what you're preaching. Oh, well, then I'm me? screwed. What's that? I said, well, then I'm screwed. <laughs> it's, good, it's good you let me do most of the talking on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it definitely is. <laughs> There's no doubt about that one. <laughs> We don't call Pete the sinner for no reason. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Pete, Pete's just the, the, the more humble guy. Pete and the pastor and Pete the sinner. More. That's just kind of the way it, it, it plays out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing, right? When, when you're stepping into the pulpit, the, the challenge of the, the post-millennial uh, generation preaching to them, the preaching to the post-modern, is that you know, they automatically assume that you're a hypocrite. When you, when you stand mm. up to speak, they immediately imagine you to be a blowhard. 
And I can sense this in this generation where they just kind of look at you like, who do you think you are? That there's this inherent kind of arrogance and in, 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 in mounting a pulpit and saying, I will speak now, I hold the conch. Um, and the reality is that as preaching, we feel we're called by God to do this, but that, that can seem a very pompous thing. And so one of the things that you really want to do when you, uh, and I'm using the term mount the pulpit steps. I doubt anybody um, here actually has a pulpit or actually has pulpit steps. Um, when you stand in front of the music stand or you sit on the stool, might be a better way to say it. But, uh, but you know, you, you need to have that awareness that people automatically think you blow chunks when you go up there. And they don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture. Hopefully, if your motive is right and you're doing it correctly, you're up there behind the authority of the Scripture. You're not saying you're the authority. Your authority is from the Word of God. And that's why you're expositing a text. You're not up there just giving your opinions. You're not up there just sharing a homily. You're up there, you know, there's there's force behind, hopefully, what you're saying because you're not making stuff up. You're literally um, amplifying what the Holy Spirit's already said. That's your job. And I would say that Chris Langham in uh, Refuge Long Beach is a master at that. He is a guy, when you come away from a sermon, you feel like you really understood that passage and text. And it gives him an authority. Um, but on a personal note, um, we should be in weakness, fear, and trembling. Paul said that's how he addressed the Corinthians. They were known as great speakers. And I think Paul actually was a great speaker. There's, it's not for no reason that the people cried out the voice of a God and not of a man when Paul was preaching. A lot of people think that, that Paul was... Um, berating his preaching, saying he wasn't good at it. I don't agree with that. I think the interpretation when he says, you know, hey, it didn't come with clever words or persuasive uh, words of human reason. I think what Paul's saying to the Corinthians, who they actually paid trained speakers, they actually hire um, a, a, a guy to speak, the Jews do, at Paul's trial. Um, and the guy just, he's a trained speaker. And Paul was just saying, I don't do that. I'm not versed in that. But I think when Paul says, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, I think he was talking about the authority of the Holy Spirit, which cannot be learned in class, which cannot be manufactured. You can't go to a secret web seminar, pay a bunch of money and get it. Um, Simon, the, the May guy asked, give me this power of the Holy Spirit. May, let me buy it. And, Peter said, your money perish with you in hell because you have blasphemed um, the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, basically you can't, you can't buy it. You, it. It's sought through weakness, fear, and trembling. Paul was weak in fear and trembling. And in that weakness, Paul says, in my weaknesses, the power of the Holy Spirit will rest upon me. And so being weak in yourself, but being authoritative behind the word of God, um, that's where the power comes in preaching. That's where the authority, so that, you know, when Jesus spoke on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, it says they were in awe and said, um, you know, uh, never have we heard a man speak like this man. That's, that's what you want. For he spoke not as uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, but as one having authority. Um, that, that's something that if you don't have that in preaching, then you got to ask yourself, what am I doing? Have I been on my face in front of God? I'll never forget my mentor 
asking that question and it's it penetrated deep into my soul he goes where's that generation of men that used to cry out on their faces before they preached for the spirit of god to consume them <laughs> just going now there's a statement twitter hmm. didn't exist back then but today we're like oh twitter 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 you know we tweet it tweet 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 and that's a cheap substitute for living it you know do you get on your you can tweet that fine but you get on your face before God and actually cry out to him in desperation. That's when he comes. Hmm. <laughs> Deep thoughts by Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what that is right there. It, it kind of is. It's kind of like a, a mic drop, right? Like, boom. But that that's the heart of preaching, really. But there's other things I want to touch on. Well, it's good because um, I actually don't have a comment on what you just said. I got I got nothing to interject on that. I'm like, yeah, well, I agree. So, <clears throat> so here are some things that I think are essential qualities when you're preaching in front of the, the millennials that think you blow chunks. Here's the deal. They just think you're an arrogant jerk for even presuming to think that a room full of people should listen to you. First thing you need to do is, you know, they, they, they look at you. And they immediately see your exclusive privilege of proclaiming anything with authority as a sign of arrogance. So it's always important for you to let them know you don't think you're important. Um, and they, they need to be reminded of that. Um, you, it will disarm people. It will absolutely disarm them that you're saying, hey, I'm nothing special. That's what John the Baptist said when everyone wanted to follow him after he preached. It's what Paul said. Hey, we're mere men, you know. That's a necessary ingredient is you need to step out of the limelight. And as I said, you know, you're not preaching yourself. I've watched preachers manipulate people uh, into thinking there's something that they're not. Hmm. And, you know, and, and they want that to feel like the important man. In, in Wales, they have, um, they have a social strata. And I know this sounds really strange to people, but the British are very much still a class society. You have lower class, working class, middle class, and it's very, they are very distinct classes. Just like in India, you've got distinct classes, which is to an extreme. But in Britain, it's more so than America. And, um, but anyways, the, the most important person in society would be the head, head of education. So a guy who's head of, of the education board or a principal of a school, you don't get any higher than that except for one guy in the community. And this is old school now, but there's still an element of this awe and respect. And it's the, the park, which is the, the Welsh for preacher, you know, the pastor, the, the minister, the reverend. And um, so it, there is this weird kind of thing where guys like to feel like the reverend, you know, the, the preacher. And you'll see guys like that, you know. I don't mind a guy being a doctorate, you know, having his D men, but they like to be called doctor so-and-so. You know, they like that kind of oomph and that importance behind it. And Jesus kind of made the point, didn't he, where he goes, hey, you know, don't let people call you um, father or rabbi or this or that for there's one. He's basically saying you're still my thunder. And so for this generation especially, um, that approach is is very countercultural in a bad way. It's It's... It's a non, it's, if you got best practices, it's worst practice in a missiological sense to put yourself on a different level than anyone else. So you need, you need to be humble 
and that's different. Second quality you need. I, I just is, like to point out, um, I did get ordained on the internet, so it mm-hmm. is Reverend Pete Mitchell. It is, and uh, Pete, you have one congregant, Ruben Young. <laughs> he frequently complains. Yes, that- but look at who I have as a congregant. <laughs> that's saying something. The church in the hood. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely, yeah. He he is a, he's a good catch, Pete. When I do say. when I do get invited to go speak at churches, I I do insist that they introduce me as Reverend Pete Mitchell. Well, but Pete, Reverend Pete, if I may, Reverend um, Peter Dean Ford you, Mitchell. You did steal Reuben. I I just got to say that was a bit of sheep wrestling on your part. I'm just saying. Hey, I've seen his Facebook posts. I'm proud to say he's my congregant. <laughs> he's my sheep. So uh, here's the deal. Um, the the second quality is sincerity. Um, and that, I, I would say, kind of like Sting years ago. He had this song. <laughs> Gosh, I'm, I'm conscious of our audience. Many of them won't know what I'm talking about. But there's a song where he, he talks about he doesn't believe in politicians and preachers anymore. And he says, they all look like game show hosts to me. And when I'm watching guys online and listening to preaching, there is a lot of the the polished um you know, the technique that, and, and it's, it is kind of like a, Hey, yo, Hey, you know, and a, and a, it's not quite game showish anymore, but there's a little bit of that. There's almost like a, a relaxed, um, showmanship that, uh, but it's, it still doesn't seem sincere and there's still a lot of fake it till you make it. And you can see through that. It's since the sincerity I'm talking about. Is difficult to attain. It's when a guy's actually real about who he is. He's not just joking about what happened with his kids or trying to give the appearance of being relaxed and, hey, I'm cool and I'm down at your level. You see a lot of that right now. But sincerity is when someone actually drops the mask and lets you know that they're a broken sinner and they need the cross and they're a wreck without the Holy Spirit. Um, the equivalent of that would be when I, like when I'm preaching, I tell people, hey, naturally, um, I hate people because I do. And my wife knows it. Like it, it, it can, it can kind of like, it, it could hurt her feelings. We'll be in the car and, um, I'll just be, you know, cause I think people's sin nature comes out on the road more than anywhere else. <laughs> and I really don't like other people's sin nature. Mine is something to wink at, but I really don't like other people's sin nature. And when I see it, because I'm a sinner, um, I take exception at their sin nature, whereas I give lots of allowances for mine as my behavior at that particular moment actually demonstrates. And so what, what happens is my attitudes, I'm not saying I'm flipping people off or yelling out the window. I don't do that, but I'll make comments. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and I'll make comments and my wife, you know, she, she just sees the disconnect really. And you know, and so I'll share with people, hey, I've come to learn, you know, over the years, naturally, I really hate people. And people kind of laugh nervously, like thinking I'm joking. But in the natural man, I really hate people. Mm. I'm not joking. I just can't stand people. But that's Peyton. And I, I can't pretend that's not true of me. But what I can do is say, you know, instant people person, just add the Holy Spirit. Because at the same time, when the Holy Spirit is all over me and I'm ministering, I feel like I get Jesus' heart for people. 
and it ain't me and I can't take credit for it. And I notice the difference and I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit loving someone through me. And to me, that has been when I made peace with that fact, I stopped trying to pretend who I was and just realized, wow, what a testimony to God, because I naturally hate you all. Mm. (laughs) And yet God loves you all. And I feel that when I'm ministering to you and it makes me want to love you. It's kind of like that line in uh, As Good As It Gets, where he goes, you make me want to be a better man. You know, That's perhaps the best thing anyone's ever said to me. Uh, maybe I was overshooting a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's got some great lines in there. Let, let me back that one down. Me. You're not allowed to quote any more of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. But, no, uh, I, I get it, man. I get it. Uh and that's that's a tough one, man. I think it's I think it's really interesting to see who God chooses to use and in what ways He chooses to use them. Um, you know, talking about Reuben, Reuben's a great example, right? You know, gets saved in the back of a cop car. <laughs> you look at yeah. the history on that dude, and yeah. it's like you see him today. And like we've said, like probably a hundred episodes ago when we were talking about Reuben way back in the day, I was like, I never knew him as that other guy. You know, I never, I never knew him as the gangbanger. Um, I didn't know him back then, but uh, it's amazing when you see who God uses. Like he really likes to use people who the rest of society would be like, no way are you going to use that person. And just like how you said on, it might've been the last podcast or the one right before it. And you said, most of the Bible was written by murderers. Yeah. Moses, David, Paul. And I was like, Wow, that's a really that's a really potent thought when you think about it. Look at who God chooses to use. Um, yeah, he's not using. Absolutely. I mean, he does use the you know he can use a Pharisee, right? He can use someone who's who's. I don't mean a Pharisee like the Dude, Pharisees. He could use the power team. Remember those guys who used to rip phone books. Dude, out? I so remember the power team. TBN <laughs> specials, baby. Bring the log in. I'm going to lift it up over my head. And like, if you don't know the power team, oh man, this is so funny. This is almost as funny as Bible Man. Remember Bible Man? No, I never. The guy from uh, Charles in Charge, and he's like a Bible toting superhero. This stuff is funny, but not to disrespect those guys, man, they led tons of people to Christ. But even back then, it was hokey and corny. I'm sure in parts of America. I'm sure they were shooting up steroids in the. In the back, in the green room. <laughs> but back then, pre-90s, steroids weren't illegal. Let's just, you know. But but what was funny is they would like, they would do all this crazy stuff like, you know, lift heavy things and break things that weren't meant to be broken. And they go, my real strength is in Jesus. <laughs> and and not to, to, to laugh at it because by today's standards, it's incredibly hokey. But in the 80s, I mean, shoot, man, just look at the 80s. Everything was hokey back then. And, you know, I've, I've been careful as kind of a, a, a student of pop culture to look back and go, they were actually kind of cool in parts of America. In California, we, you know, we kind of laughed because we're just cooler than the rest of the United States. Let's face it. I don't want to say it, but sorry, sorry, the rest of America. <laughs> but uh, we thought we thought it was hokey. And uh, but I would say even back then, I'd be like, look, God can even use the power team. <laughs> Look, all I know is if you looked at their hair, Jerry Curl and all, it was awesome. 
Oh, and they'd have those like the what are those like weightlifting pants? Oh, you the know? parachute pants? Parachute pants. And they'd have like the the giant like t-shirt that was cut into a sweat, you know, like a like a tank top. Oh yeah. And it, oh man, it was like fluorescent. I bet you it's on YouTube. Funny. I bet I bet you they're on YouTube. Sweatbands on the wrists and on the heads. Oh, I'm telling you, man. We got we gotta look them up and post it. What? You know? <laughs> we need to make a meme. Can someone out there please make a meme that says the power team says Listen to the Church Planner podcast. There you go. We'll put it on the Facebook. Okay, moving back to what we're talking about. But he can. And and I found this um, at different parts. I I love what Glenn Keane said um, when he joined the Disney team in 79. Um, He asked the the nine old men, the veterans of animation, the secret to drawing a successful cartoon character. And they said, if you can draw this one quality, you will have nailed it a classic Disney character and what made us famous. And that was sincerity. Mm. And sincerity is the opposite of faking. And that, you know, it's a, it's an amazing answer. And I think with preaching, it's the same thing. Um, Paul talked about, you know, we're sincere. He uses that same word that we're sincere. We, we preach Christ with sincerity. And I, I think that, and you see how sincere Paul is when he's writing. His heart's on his sleeve. He's real about stuff. Um, He's not trying to be something he's not. He's vulnerable. He lowers his guard. He tells them when they hurt him. He tells them when, you know, uh, he's insecure. He tells them when he's afraid. Um, He's not out to impress them with himself. He's out to impress them with Jesus. So you don't tell people you want to impress that you're full of weakness, fear, and trembling when you were with them. Unless what you're really doing is pointing to Jesus and saying, mm. but look where the power came from. And, um, and I remember being um, at my worst. And I went to, you know, I would go to these Welsh churches when I had had my teeth kicked in. And I was in a really dark place um, after trying to do a church revitalization that the church was growing. I mean, people were getting saved and it, it had doubled in size and um, but I broke the church. I mean, no doubt I broke the church. I broke their system. Uh, and then the, the, in turn, they kind of broke me. Um, and what happened was I, I left that church. I resigned, even though there's this big battle. We won it. And uh, if there is such a thing. But I, I just, it broke my pastoral heart. And I left and I would get these invitations and this bitterness set into my heart. Uh, and I went through this dark place like, God, you know. I, I held your word. I did what was right. I didn't, I didn't act underhanded in that in any way. And I felt like God had really abandoned me. And I would go to preach. And I didn't want to preach. I was mad at God. I told God I quit ministry. And, um, you know, I was tired of your people. I hate ministry and never work for you again. And, uh, and I remember I'd go and I would preach at places. And I'd tell them, I don't really want to be there this morning. And I don't want to preach to you either. But you're on my calendar. I keep my appointments and you're paying me. So let's get this show on the road and see what the Holy Spirit does. And people would start laughing. But, you know, some would laugh uncomfortably. Others thought I was joking. But when I was real and I just tell them things like me and God aren't doing so hot. Mm. um, Kind of like the Psalms, right? I mean, that's the paraphrase of many of the Psalms. Me and God aren't doing so hot right now. The Holy Spirit would come. And he would speak out of my brokenness and out of my confusion. And I'd still try to preach a passage, but it was different. I didn't care anymore if they thought I was a good preacher. 
I was literally just there to be honest and to lift up God. And but I'm sure I did a sucky job. But people come up to me crying afterwards. I'm thinking, what have I just stumbled into? And that that changed me as a preacher forever. But I'll never forget this one time. I went to these kids and the, the youth pastor was like, hey, this is during that same time. He's like, hey, these kids are really tough. Um, many of them from a non-Christian background. Some of them are church kids. They're all like calloused and um, really cynical. And uh, I need you to come preach to them. I, you know, I, I, I've heard you evangelize before and need to get them saved. And so I go there with, you know, my, you know, my, my trusty revolver, my, my proven evangelistic sermons. And I drive out into this, the wilds of Wales into this, and this is like mountainous country. And, uh, it, it, Wales is like a maze and, um, literally switchbacks on switchbacks at times. And I, I remember going and I get lost and I end up as my sat nav conks out on my car, I get lost and I end up on the road back to Lampeter, the church that hit me. And so what I didn't realize is the, or the church that hurt me, it was about 30 minutes outside of that town. And I swore I'd never go back to that town. I literally, when I drove out with my, my car packed up, literally shook the dust off my feet. I was so mad. And uh, <clears throat> hope they would all burn in hell or we could call fire down on them like John and James, right? Call fire down on those people, Lord. I, I was so broken by what happened. And so in a bad way. And, uh, so as I'm on that road and I realize when I'm, I'm on that road, Andrew's in the car next to me, my fingers begin to tense up on the, on the steering wheel. And I start getting flooded with every bitter, hateful thought. And the memories are coming back to me, you know, the pain's coming up and, uh, I'm, I'm just like a volcano, man. Everything's building up and I have an absolute meltdown on the road. I mean, Forget Flanders with this ding, ding, diddly, you know, I mean, it was, it was rage. And I'm just telling you, like, I cussed and screamed at the top of my lungs. I started crying. I was so mad, which I can't say I've ever gotten that mad in my life, but it just all the rage and anger and hurt just came out and I, I show, you know, and I'm like freaking out. My wife's like, I'm about to get out of this car. You need to pull over. And, and I'm like, you know, and I'm kind of pulling myself back together. I'm like, all right, babe. And, and, and I'm, and I'm like feeling like an absolute idiot. Like, what do you say? I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I don't know what came over me. You know, I'm an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And we pull up to this retreat center finally. And, and I'm, I'm so ticked at the guy who gave me wrong directions. I want to tear his head off. And there's no phone signal out there. I get there. I'm late. I'm upset. I don't have any time. I'm like probably about 10, 15 minutes late. They're all worshiping. And I say to my wife, how can I go in and preach to these kids? You know, after where I'm at, I'm all mad. I'm frustrated. I want to kill this youth pastor. Um, uh, you know, he's incompetent and I'm just, I'm ticked and I'm, I'm horribly ashamed. So I'm under all this condemnation and, um, God just whispered to my heart. So why don't you just tell him what happened? Be real with him. And here, here I was ready to go in and, and play the hypocrite. And, and so what my real struggle was, how do I go in there and pretend to be something I'm not mm. when, 
like like everything with Jesus is always going to be good and rosy and never bad. Yeah. And so I walk into the room and you can just feel the cynicism and the animosity. And they're like, yeah, you know, the, 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 you can see it on their face. Like, yeah, this is the stupid preacher man time, you know, like get us back to the, you know, why we're really here. You know, we want to go have fun or whatever. And um, so I'm feeling like an idiot, but I'm swimming in God's grace. And uh, so I just go, hey, you guys, I don't know you and you don't need me. And you probably think I'm going to stand here and tell you how much you suck. But you know what? I was just reminded how much I suck on the way up here. And I told him, you know, I got lost. I had some junk to deal with. And uh, I, I, I pulled in a bit of an undertow of black funk. And I said, and I just spent about 15 minutes yelling and cussing at God at the top of my lungs. And as soon as I said that, like, <laughs> just, you know, they all look at me. And I said, you know, I, I really struggled even coming in the room thinking, I can't even talk to you guys. Like, I'm outside going, God, how do I, how do I even talk to these kids? And, and, and now their eyes are wide. They're like looking at each other like, who is this guy? They're looking at the youth pastor like, you know. This, this this guy just is telling us like he just cussed and screamed at God for 15 minutes, but I had their attention, and uh, and I just told him, hey, I'm not proud of myself, and uh, I'm sure you guys in this room, you're not very proud of yourselves either. You got junk like I got junk, and it just opened up into the gospel. And I said, dude, people got saved hmm. like right there, and I'm like at my worst. I'm at the worst I've ever been spiritually in my life probably the worst day that I've ever been in my life. But I learned that day that when God called me to be a preacher, he called all of me. You know, he didn't call just the best parts of me to be a preacher. He called the weak parts of me. And that's where Paul, again, just coming back to that goes, when I'm weak, you know, I'm strong. And, uh, you know, it... (laughs) One one of the things that's a real, and I'm going to shut up here in a second. One of the things that's a real pet peeve of mine is when people talk about preaching and compare it to acting. Oh, you're a good preacher. You must be a great actor. And I bet you could, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And and I no one can ever say anything worse to me because what they're, what they're imagining is that there's a performance when you're preaching. I sincerely get excited and animated when I preach, when I see truths out of the word of God. And so I will get amped up. I used to have a friend tell me, Hey, you know, you're pretty mellow, but then when you get in the pulpit, you get all excited, you get your preaching voice. And, and I say, no, what you don't understand is there's very few things in the world that actually get me excited. And what you're hearing is my passion and my excitement for Jesus coming out. And I understand there's a difference between public delivery, delivery and private conversation, but they're acting Acting at its core involves deception, right? I mean, Tom Cruise, when he's playing the hero in a movie, um, there's an element of deception. He's trying to tell us I'm somebody different than who I really am. And I want you to believe that. And I've got to deceive you. But it's, it's a happy deception. It's a good deception. We, we don't want to see the real Tom Cruise up there. We want to see the fake Tom Cruise. We want to see the deception in front of us so that we can watch a good movie, right? I mean, you're a film major, right? So acting is, is the, the benevolent act of deceiving people. But um, what Michael J. Fox said years ago is he goes, the theater, where it all begins, is founded on a conspiracy of mutual deception. The performer pretends to be someone he's not, 
and the audience willingly suspends its disbelief. It's a confidence game in which both parties risk the humiliation of being played for a sucker. The actor makes himself vulnerable to the embarrassment of failure by trusting that the audience will grant him the time and attention to craft his lie. In return, the audience depends upon the actor's gift to keep them from feeling like fools for believing. And at contrast, I would say that preaching at its core is based on transparency and sincerity. And without that, you will lack the Holy Spirit's power. You can deceive people. You can do the smoke and mirrors. You can entertain people and take them for a ride, but you will not experience in all your people the power that is necessary to see Jesus through the brokenness of a human being and see the spirit magnify himself as a treasure in a jar of clay. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Just saying. Yeah. And I think we're out of time, huh? That's that's probably all we got time for, yeah, which is actually, amazing to me. We're we're actually coming up on the uh, the end of our time. Get to the church plant! Get to the church plant! Go! No! Oh, I love that one. Well, should I? Do I have two minutes or not? You do. I should save it for next time. No, you, well, you got two minutes. I mean, can no, you get across an idea in two minutes? minutes? I probably can't do it for for two minutes, but. Um, I, I, there's so much to talk about with preaching. That's why I said it had to be a series, but a little self-conscious. We didn't get very far, but, uh, it, Hey, shoot, man. If, if that alone was the part that people kind of realize that I can actually just be myself and not have to entertain people. If I could disentangle that, not from people, that would be a huge deal right there. It really would be. I mean, that would add so much authenticity to the church. It would be, it would really be mind-boggling because um, that's just not the way church is. It yeah. is such a production nowadays. You know, you, you go to a church and you sit up there or you watch the guy who's up there and he's doing this whole little dog and pony show. And I mean, I just think about how structured it is, you know. And, and, and not only that, there's only one way you can share your struggles. See, David doesn't always share so I was talking with the pastor the other day. I just was concerned about him. I called him up and said, how are you doing? He goes, not very good. And I said, yeah, I could tell the other day. And he goes, I don't know why, man. I'm just in a funk. I'm sad and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, look, Psalm 42, 43, right? I go, I'm actually going through that right now. I go, it's probably because, you know, I'm just tired after Andrea. But it's where he goes, why so downcast, oh, my soul? You know, and, and, and the reality is he doesn't know why. He doesn't exactly know what to do. He tells himself, hope in God for you'll praise him again, you know, so don't stay in this. But but the reality is, you know, when you share your fault in church, the only or, or your weakness, the only way you can do it is if it's past tense. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then we got through it and God came through and everyone goes, yeah. But if it's unresolved, everyone just kind of moves away from you a couple of seats like you farted. I remember hearing Francis Chan say something like that. He's like. Guys, I'm not telling you about something that I was going through, you know, months ago, and I came through it. This is what I'm feeling like right now. And I just remember everyone kind of like, <gasps> what? You actually, um, you, you, you actually just held up the poster child for authenticity and preaching. That's the man right there. And David Platt's not far behind him. Um, 
If you want to see what sincerity looks like in a preacher, that's Francis Chan, man. Here's a, I'll just, I'm going to throw in my own little uh, Psalms verse. Besides having uh, Deuteronomy 23, 10 and 11 on my uh, tombstone, which you'll have to look that one up, uh, Church Planner Podcast listener. And then you'll know why we're a true two-star podcast. Um, I would say my my verse theme, if you will, for my life is Psalm 16, too. Because to me, well, the first time I read this, I mean, and I don't know if it was the first time I read it, but it was the first time I read it that it just like hit me like a two by four between my eyes because I, I totally got this. Uh, it says this. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Mm. And that is totally the way I feel pretty much every day of my life. I see so much sin in my life. You know, yeah. you talk about not liking people. You know, I think about I don't like people. I don't. I mean, and, and I, I would say I mentally cuss more than I cuss out loud anymore. I mean, I used to cuss yeah. all the time. But, you know, people just tick me off and I know what I'm saying in my head to them, you know, yeah. and I just and I know <laughs> I know how much sin there is. Like, I'm not saying yeah. this to the guy who's listening to this podcast going, oh, Pete's talking about what used to be in his life. No, we joke about Pete being the sinner because Pete's a sinner. Right. I mean, I got Whoa. like just, you know, and so I read this verse and I'm like, yeah, there is literally no good in me. Apart yeah. from God. There's, and that's what Paul nothing. said, right? Paul said that there's no good thing in my flesh. Yeah. No good thing. Paul looked, man, as a as a former Pharisee, he tried hard to find a good thing in his flesh. He tried to make his flesh good and he couldn't. And and we do. We all need this is why, you know, the gospel centered movement is such a good thing. Because it it always I mean, just so you know, guys out there, one of our you know, core training that we do for every core team is gospel centered life just because it really hammers this point home. And again, um, you, you can't, your team needs that. They need that, that awareness of their own sinfulness and brokenness to effectively reach lost people. Um, or, or even for that matter to really walk with God properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, well, that's so. awesome. Well, before we sign off, uh, Peyton, let me ask you a quick question. Um, if you had a church plant again, which you'll be out planting again, who knows when, but it'll be soon. Right now, you're just training church planters. And let's say that church planter was a great uh, preacher or maybe even a great shepherd, uh, but not so good on the math side. What would you suggest to them for bookkeeping and accounting and payroll needs? Well, Pete, um, as you asked me that, um, I'm sitting here in my fez cap with a pipe next to all my books. Everyone should and be wearing a fez cap. I think they're going to come back. Feeling, well, you know, I keep, I keep hoping. Um, I have a collection, but uh, as I sit here in my smoking jacket and, uh, you know, I ponder these deep things, um, feeling very intelligent, I would say uh, Simplify Church, my good fellow, mm. simplifychurch.com. As a matter I of fact, I like it. Yeah. 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 No, I've talked to the guys over there, Josh, Ginger. I think they're a great option for that. If, if I may be so bold to suggest, um, my, 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 my ignorant friend, my, my, my Philistine crow magnon brother, uh, I would say, uh, for the non math pastor, they are the solution. And what about if they are a math pastor? 
Who's got the time to do math, baby? That's what I say. That's what I'm talking about. So head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and they will take care of all those needs for you. That's right. Spend less time doing math, pastors, and spend more time drinking coffee at Starbucks. Check, please. (laughs) So why don't you sign us out? Well, this has been the Church Planning Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.